Doing a daily Bible devotional has been the best thing that I've done for myself. My time in the Old Testament only proves to me again and again and again that the heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all things. When I'm reading the New Testament, I read it within the context of when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in the New Testament is just an expansion of one of those two thoughts. Those are the two lenses through which I think with my mouth open as I read through the Old and New Testaments. Join me, won't you, for another adventure in Coffee, the Bible, and Page. Get your coffee and your Bible and join me, won't you? Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. I am Paige, your caffeine-imbued host. Here's my coffee. On the beginning coffee low, it was very, very good. Today, we are going to continue on our journey in 1 Samuel, or chapter 9. And in chapter 9, we're going to uh, see Samuel being used of God to select Israel's first king. Now, as a backdrop, chapter 8, Israel had come to Samuel and said, we want a king. We, we're, we, this judge thing isn't working. Samuel had been a judge and a prophet for them. He'd appointed his sons to work in his stead in the southern part of the, of the country. And um, they weren't doing a great job. They weren't representing God. They were grifters, for lack of a better term, I guess. And uh, Israel said, you know, this isn't working. We need a king. We want a king. And Samuel was upset at first. But God came to Samuel and told him, look, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Let's give them a king. Now, this used to bother me. This used to bother me a great deal. Why would God accede to a wish to a desire by Israel when he knew it wasn't going to work out well for them. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is that old saying, be careful what you ask for. And sometimes that's the only way you can learn a lesson is for your parent to give you what you ask for. You think you want nothing but chocolate chip cookies because don't you love chocolate chip cookies? So you start in on this huge pile of chocolate chip cookies in the middle of the kitchen table. And by the time you reach the end of the chocolate chip cookies, you're ill. And all of a sudden, chocolate chip cookies just don't seem that good to you anymore. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what's going on here. He's going to teach Israel a lesson about kings. If that was God's plan, it didn't work out well because they kept going after kings. And... Um, one king after another turned out to be less than advertised, including David. David was a, an incredible king, and he's their most beloved king. But uh, when we get to David's story, you're going to see that he drops a ball as often as he doesn't. So how can I make sense of this story that we're about to read about Saul becoming king of Israel when he wasn't going to be a good king? That this incident in and of itself 
doesn't make sense. You have to pull back to what I call the 10,000 foot level. Um, when you see the long game, when you view this story of Saul from the vantage point that we have of being several thousand years removed and knowing the long game, knowing that everything that happens in Israel is aiming at one purpose, the production of a Messiah that would pave the way for people of all nations to be reconciled to God. When you take a look at the the 10,000 foot view, then you can start to see at least partially make sense of what appears to be senseless activity. This thing with Saul becoming king, to me, it's in and of itself, it's puzzling. But when I pull back and I see that God's end game was to produce a Messiah, then I can start to see where this fits at least in that puzzle. It doesn't answer all my questions. But there are still lessons we can draw from it, from Saul's life, his leadership, his, his kingship. But keep in mind that God's goal is to bring forth a Messiah that would reconcile all men to him. Now, there's another thought that goes on my mind. There are some pictures to be drawn here. Israel uh, was surrounded by enemies. They didn't like Israel. They continually tried to dethrone, defeat, and destroy Israel. And at times, the nation of Israel would vanish off the face of the planet for a time. Babylon, Persia, these nations would destroy Israel and um, and Israel would come back. But the point is that Israel was surrounded by enemies who wanted nothing more than the destruction of that country. Well, that's a picture of us in the world today. We're surrounded by enemies. Peter says we are emissaries of another kingdom and we are not loved in this kingdom that we reside right now in this world. So Israel also provides a picture of a nation within a group of nations that is not wanted. We are members of a nation, God's kingdom, and where we live, we're not wanted. So this is part of that picture. You can start to see how in the big picture, God is teaching us lots of things. So even though some of the details are fuzzy to me about, or as far as understanding what's going on, I have the advantage of having the 10,000 foot view and realize that Saul becoming king of Israel is part of God's plan to bring forth a Messiah that would represent the entire world. So having said that, hopefully I didn't confuse you too much. Let's get on with chapter nine. Let's start reading and uh, we'll have a few chats about things and we'll see what God has to say. Oh, by the way, before you forget, my tagline is thinking, I'm thinking with my mouth open. This is a devotional for Paige. Don't take it personally, but it's not for you. I have a particular set of issues that I'm dealing with in my life that God seems to be addressing. And so my devotionals will tend to go in that direction. 
And I'm doing this as a point of accountability, these devotionals that I'm posting on Facebook and YouTube. I'm doing these as uh, a point of accountability for myself to go through the Bible. God has things to show me in the Bible. And so when I read a passage of scripture and I muse about it, I think about it with my mouth open, that's what you're getting in this. So I'm not trying to present a scholarly Bible study. I'm not one of those guys. I'm just a guy. I want to hear something from God that I can apply to me that will help me make sense of my world that I'm walking in. And my world's a crazy world. And I'm trying to understand what my place in it's supposed to be and what God is doing in it. So that's what these devotionals are about. I read a passage of scripture that I'm going to think with my mouth open. All right, cool. All right, let's get started. Chapter nine, there was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bechorath, the son of Ephiah of Benjamin. Now, Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. Interesting thought from the uh, Zondervan's uh, commentary. Saul's father, Kish, was called a man of standing. as military connotations. Uh, it's translated a brave man in Saul's servant description of David. Uh, this term is nowhere ever used of Saul himself. Interesting thought. Saul was never called a brave man. Uh, he was actually never considered much of a military leader. Isn't that amazing? He's about to become king. Now, the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of the servants with you and go look for the donkeys. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area around Shalisha, but they did not find them. They went on into the district of Shalem, but the donkeys were not there. They, and they passed through the territory of Benjamin, but they did not find them. When they reached the district of Zuf, Paul, Saul said to his servant who was with them, come, let's go back, or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. All right. The Lord used straying donkeys to bring Saul into contact with Samuel. Searching for the lost donkeys, Saul and servant crisscrossed the borderlands between Benjamin and Ephraim, no avail. They began and ended their search in the hill country of Ephraim. Since Zuf is associated with the hill country, the unnamed town in the next verse is probably Ramah because that was the center of where Samuel's uh, circuit was that, that he worked with. So the servant replied, look, in this town, there's a man of God. He's highly respected, and everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us what way to take. But Saul said to his servant, If we go, what can we give the man? The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered him again and said, Look, I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God so that he will tell us what way to take. You see, in, formerly in Israel, if someone went to inquire of God, they would say, hey, let's go, come, let us go to the seer. Because a prophet of today used to be called a seer. A seer is someone who has spiritual eyes, that sees in the spiritual world and receives messages 
from the spiritual world into the physical world. Make sense? Samuel is often called the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. He acted as a judge. He helped defeat uh, the Philistines, if you remember correctly, earlier in the story. He's called a prophet because the formal office of a prophet began with the monarchy and ended shortly after the monarchy did. In other words, prophets were usually associated with kings. They were spiritual advisors. And they would bring the voice of God to the king on behalf of God for the nation of Israel. A prophet is called in the sense of being summoned by God to be a spokesman for God. A prophet was to be God's mouth. That was his calling. Prophecy was by calling, not by choice. You just didn't make yourself a prophet. Um, I, I usually take, I've taken spiritual gifts tests throughout the years. And the three gifts that keep coming up to the top in these tests are teaching, administration, and prophecy. And I didn't really have a handle on what prophecy meant at the time. I had this discussion with my wife, but that's why I married my wife. She's smarter than I am in so many ways. But I was curious as about how God was going to use these gifts. I thought God was going to make me a preacher because teaching, administration, prophecy, they sound like preacher gifts, right? And a lot of great preachers have those things. So I'm supposed to be a preacher. As anybody who knows me knows, that never happened. I'm not a preacher. I am not a pastor. I'm not a worship pastor. I'm just a guy. And I was, remember talking to my wife. I'm wondering about how these spiritual gifts are supposed to work out in my life. I'm, and, I'm, and I had such a narrow vision of I'm supposed to have some office in a church someplace. My wife said, oh, tell me. Um, in your teaching practice, are you scheduling, taking money in, spending money, scheduling? I said, yeah. She says, well, that sounds like administration to me. Check. And is it possible? How many of your students are Christians? I said, I think all of them. I said, okay. Well, it sounds like you're teaching the next administra- the next generation of worshiper believers. Check. And he says, now prophecy. Are you speaking God's mind? Now this is important. She said, are you speaking God's mind into the lives of your students? I said, every chance I get. She said, that's prophecy, sweetheart. You're right in the middle of the ministry. You're doing what God made you to do being what God made you to be, and those gifts are in full operation in your life. So a prophet is God's mouth. And every chance I get, I'm speaking God's truth into the lives of my students. Samuel was God's mouth. And the prophet, the office of prophet came into being when Israel had kings and a prophet was supposed to be God's mouth to the king to give him God's guidance. God wasn't averse to Israel having kings, all right? As long as Israel realized that the king of kings was in charge and that the earthly king of Israel was to be subservient to the king of kings. All right. As they were going up the hill to the town, they met some young woman coming out to draw water and they asked him, is the seer here? He is, they answered. He's ahead of you now. 
uh, hurry now. He has just come to our town today. For the people have a sacrifice at the high place. As soon as you enter the town, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. The people will not begin eating until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Go up now. You should find him about this time. They went up to the town and as they were entering it, there was Samuel coming toward them on his way up to the high place. Ramah was Samuel's center, hometown, if you will, and was a center of worship before a temple was built in Jerusalem. Now, the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked at my people, for their cry has reached me. See, God is not, God is not averse to Israel having a king. He understands that there is a place for a king in Israel. And he has compassion. And the people of Israel are crying for a king, so God's going to give them a king. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, Would you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you're to eat with me, and in the morning I will send you on your way, and I will tell you all that's in your heart. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, don't worry about them. They've been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line? Kind of a sneaky little thing here. Samuel, Saul had not told Samuel about the donkeys. Samuel just revealed that God was telling him about Saul. We call that street creds. He was showing Samuel, Samuel was showing Saul his street creds, that he really was a prophet. But Saul answered, but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? Hmm. Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and seated them at the head of those who were invited, about 30 in number. Saul didn't know that he was going to be anointed king. This is taking Saul completely by surprise. He brings him into a hall. Uh, I don't know if it was a temple or if it was just a, a hall of some kind. 30 people could sit there. Samuel said to the cook, bring the piece of meat I gave you, the one I told you to lay aside. So the cook took up the thigh with what was on it and set it in front of Saul. Samuel said, here is what has been kept for you. Eat, because it was set aside for you for this occasion from the time I said I have invited guests. And Saul dined with Samuel that day. And after they came down from the high place to the town, Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of his house. This was a conversation he had through the entire night because they rose about daybreak and Samuel called to Saul on the roof, get ready and I will send you on your way. And when Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together. As they were going down to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here for a while so I may give you a message from God. Now, I don't know what that message was. But Samuel and Saul on the roof of Samuel's house spoke and stayed together for the entire night. And then he's gonna tell him to stay even longer so he can give a message from God. Samuel 
was moving into the office of being a prophet and advisor to the king. And Saul was going to be the new king. Now, from what I've gathered reading this, on the outside, Saul looked like a king. It says he was taller by ha by a head. What does it say up here? Uh, let me go up here. Let's see. He was a head taller than anyone else. Hmm. A head taller than anyone else. He looked like a king. Ought to look. He was imposing physically. Um. And you have to think about how this must have blindsided him. Uh, Saul wasn't looking to become king. But he was God. He was the man that God had picked. Again, it gets confusing because we're going to find out later that Saul wasn't a great king. Then why would God pick him? If, if, you stay, if you stay in that 20 to 30 year period of time, it's kind of hard to see God's will. You have to back up and see the big picture, like I said before. And the big picture is this. God is going to produce a Messiah. It's going to come from a nation that is broken. It's going to come from a nation unworthy of being God's people because they betrayed him so many times. Jesus is going to come from a people who are surrounded by enemies who has imperfect leaders. Jesus is going to be representative of all people. He has non-Jews in his, in his genealogy. He comes from a nation that time and again turns from God to follow other gods. The big picture is God's going to produce a Messiah. So we have to keep that in mind. Saul's kingship is part of that. All right, well, that's a good place for me to stop. Um, I know it probably asked more questions than it answered. That's the way it is with me in the Bible sometimes. Sometimes I'd leave my devotions going, scratching my head, just wondering, God, what am I supposed to make of that? And I just, sometimes I just have to say, I, I don't know. I just don't know. I know this, that God knows that he knows everything and he has a plan and he will execute his plan the prophet one of the other prophets later to come would say he's quoting god i know the plans i have for you They're good plans not for evil israel i know the plans i have for you they're good plans not for evil and yet saul is made king curious right well we'll learn some more this next week as we continue in saul's story Folks, I'm out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. So, what did you think about today's Bible devotional? Email me and let me know your thoughts at ffog at me.com.